Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm thrilled to be back talking about cookies again. Tis the season, right? So last week, we talked about my three biggest tips for cookie season in 2024. And this week, I want to talk about some of the biggest kind of questions or concerns or gray areas that people either ask me or that I see being asked online the most frequently. So this isn't like cookie basics. Um, Obviously, there are some cookie basics questions that get asked a lot more frequently that have to do more with like the different bakers and flavors and um, prices and whatever. But um, that's not what I mean. I mean like the kind of ins and outs of the program that I see people talking about most often. So the first one is about requiring a certain level of participation or making participation mandatory or like how you enforce participating in the cookie program with all of your troop members. And you know, this question could be phrased in any number of ways, but basically no matter how you slice and dice it, the reality is that cookies are not mandatory. And this can be really difficult and frustrating as a troop leader because we need to be able to make money for the troop. And also there are certain requirements or incentives for troops who participate in the cookie program. And sometimes it's a girl by girl participation. Sometimes it's a per girl average in your troop. And if you have girls who don't participate in the program, That can be really frustrating because it feels like you're locked out of those opportunities because you have girls who aren't participating. So there are any number of reasons why a girl and or her family may not participate in cookies. Obviously, it's possible the girl just doesn't want to. And so I'm going to start there because that, I think, is like kind of the assumption of oh, they just don't want to do it. Either the girl or family, they just don't want to do it. And that's frustrating that they just don't want to. But like, let's start there because not wanting to actually matters like a lot (laughs) because the girl and her family have to want to do Girl Scouts in order to continue coming back and in order for the experience to be positive. So we don't want to force girls and families to do things in Girl Scouts that they don't want to do. So just, I I don't, I actually don't think this is the common reason why people don't participate in cookies on a family by family basis, but I think there's a lot of assumptions that go into when a family or a girl does not participate or does not participate as much as others. So I want to start there, but just very fundamental basics. We don't want to force them to do something they don't want to do. We'd rather them want to do it. And the things we can do to try to make it exciting and fun would be to uh, encourage that it's fun at troop meetings, to make it fun at booths so that the girls are talking about how much fun they had, to um, to make cookies feel fun, to talk about like why it, it matters, why it's important, uh, both to the girls and to their adults, their corresponding caretakers and guardians, right? So if we can communicate really well and positively and create a positive environment around cookies and also make it easy to participate, that's going to encourage families to want to. But if they still don't want to do it, then at the end of the day, it is possible they just won't want to do it. 
another kind of assumption is um or a frustration is like <clears throat> their bandwidth limitations so they may choose not to participate in the cookie program because they're just they have too many other things going on it could be because they've got a lot of other kids and a bunch of activities it could be because this girl also plays sports that overlap <clears throat> it could be that the the parent is working I mean, I was going to say multiple jobs, but honestly, just working full time is a lot. It can be a lot to manage that and your family and your household. It can be a lot. And maybe they just don't have the bandwidth to take on the cookie program. So definitely making it easier for them is a way to make it more likely that even a busy family could participate and making that really clear like hey here's my tips for busy families like there's lots of things that you could do in your communication to try to like make the path less resistance based but at the end of the day there are going to be some families who just don't have the time to devote to it Another situation that may lead to girls not being able to participate in the program could be that their parents aren't involved or invested. I mean, that is possible. And it could be for any number of reasons, right? It could be because they're not super uh, stereotypically good, quote unquote, parents. It could be, you know, not all girls have a loving, caring, involved, invested adult in their household. So it could be that. Um, and I, I didn't start here because I think I don't want to assume that just because a girl doesn't participate in the cookie program that her adults don't care. That's not fair. But I do think that that is a reason why some girls aren't able to participate because they don't have an adult available to them in their household to be invested in this. It, it takes a certain amount of privilege to have adults in a girl's household who can give time, effort, energy, bandwidth to their extracurricular activities. So not all girls have that. Um, that's definitely like part of it. Also, some girls might have all kinds of situations that limit, like they may have parents who don't drive. So that would limit their ability to get to and from cookie booths. They may have, or guardians, right? They may have parents or guardians who <clears throat> um, can't, you know, handle money. They may have parents or guardians who uh, I mean, there's any number of things. Also, I don't want to go down too far in a rabbit hole of like all the circumstances that could lead to an adult not being available. Um, it could also be because uh, the girl doesn't live in a neighborhood where she has the ability to go door to door. And this could either be she's not in a like safe, welcoming, family friendly environment to go door to door. It could also mean that she is in a really rural area. I know we have some really rural areas in my council where neighbors live miles and miles apart. So they can't just like throw cookies in a wagon and go walking door to door. There's no there's no opportunity for that in their neighborhoods, right? They don't have a suburban kind of <laughs> neighborhood. You know, they don't live in suburbia. So I think that 
that's in the name of accessibility, right? All girls have the right to participate in Girl Scouts and to have access to Girl Scouts and Girl Scout programming and the benefits of Girl Scout programming, but they may not have the privileges at play to make selling cookies easy uh, on an individual basis. Now, there's things you can do, certainly, to try to make it easier for girls to participate, even if they can't participate in all the different ways there are to participate. So some girls might do all the things, right? If you're like, here's a checklist of activities to do during cookie season, some girls might be able to do all of them. Other girls maybe can't participate in all of them, but you might be able to find other ways for them to do so. Maybe they can write or draw thank you notes or thank you cards that you, even if they can't go to booths or whatever, that you could give out at booths or the other girls could give out with booths. Maybe with parent permission, they could make personalized video messages um, to make like cookie commercials or thank you commercials that you could send to your own personal network. Now, like if you have your own daughter in the troop, then obviously your daughter is probably going to use your network. But for me as a troop leader, because I didn't have a daughter of my own in the troop, I would still like any sales that came through me would get distributed among all distributed among all the girls equally so there were ways that i could incorporate like the girls in the troop with um either signs they made that i would put up at like my desk at work when i had a nine to five, they could um, draw thank you cards and I could give them out to people who bought cookies from me. They would sometimes do personalized videos for people in my life. So I did not like post this on the internet, right? But I would send it to my mom or my husband or whatever. This kid specifically wants you to buy from them. So um, that was a way I could like incorporate that. And maybe you brainstorm with your girls as a collective, what ways could we as a troop sell cookies like collectively that and that would give you ideas for how all girls might be able to participate, even those who can't necessarily attend booths. You could also offer to help with the transportation of booths. You could arrange carpooling for girls to help each other with getting to booths. There's lots and lots of things that you could try to do to make it a streamlined process. And again, like I mentioned earlier, giving tips to families like, hey, for busy families, here's some tips for how you can do cookies. So there are ways that girls from all different walks of life could have access to participate to varying degrees. But at the end of the day, you can't require it. So it can't be mandatory. You can't require it. That's not a thing because Girl Scouts needs to be accessible to all girls and not all girls have equal access to participate in the same ways in the cookie program. So um, although I've given you some ideas for ways to make girls feel included, to help have them help contribute, to take kind of the burden off of feeling like, hey, this one super seller is funding the troop and the rest of the girls aren't really participating, to take kind of that pressure off yourself, finding ways to have girls like be able to communally contribute can like kind of take the burden off but yeah you can't you can't make it mandatory so just keep that in mind another thing another reason why you might try to come up with ways girls can contribute is so they can still be working toward the skills that you build by participating in the cookie program so what activities can they do that would help them work on those skills other than attending booths and going door to door because those may not be options for all girls so yeah there's that 
Okay, so the other big, another big question that I hear very frequently is about how to distribute sales. So by this, I mean, it could look like a lot of different things. The most common question that I hear people asking about is how to distribute sales from cookie booths. But in general, how do you distribute the packages sold across all the girls and especially at booths? And people have different methods of doing this. So I will go ahead and say from like the structure of the program, the perspective of like how the program is structured, giving girls individualized kind of credit for their sales is the way that the organization tries to recognize the individual efforts for girls who do go above and beyond, even though there are girls who can't participate. So yes, we need to create accessibility for all girls to have access to Girl Scouts and also the girls who do and their families who do put in all this extra effort because girls who do sell every single day, hitting the pavement for hours after school, who attend booths every weekend or all weekend long during cookie season, those girls put in a ton of work. So the way that we balance making it accessible and not like creating guilt or shame or alienation or ostracizing, ostracization, is that how you say that? Of the girls who can't participate as much the girls who do a ton of work and effort and their families who do a ton of work and effort during cookie season our method of giving some kind of um acknowledgement and appreciation and recognition of their work is the individualist incentives that girls can earn uh the rewards that they can earn for individual sales and and tracking their individual sales so it does somewhat matter that girls uh, get credit in the system, in the back end, for their actual individual work because they receive individual incentives for that. So um, as far as the distribution goes, some people distribute all the cookies that are sold across the whole troop, across all of the girls. I don't personally do that. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I want to make sure that I'm emphasizing like why it does matter to give girls individual credit for the work that they do do. But when it comes to booths, I think it's a lot grayer. Typically what I do with what I've done with my troop is the girls who worked a booth get equal credit for that booth. So if the booth was two hours long and we sold 150 cookies and two girls worked that booth for two hours, then they both get 75 packages, right? They get 75 packages worth. If four girls worked that booth for one hour each, then they would each get credit for, oh my gosh, I guess that was a bad number to pick because I don't think that comes out even. <laughs> I am having trouble doing math in my head. So if four girls did 150 packages in two hours and each of them worked one hour in a two-hour booth, or let's say it was um, 150 in four hours and they each worked two hours, whatever it is, they worked an equal amount, then that would come out to like approximately 37 or 38 packages per girl. Now, 
some of the girls are going to get credit for that extra package and some girls are going to get credit for one less package and deciding who gets the extra package that is like um, somewhat semantics. Then if one girl works both hours but then like let's stick with 150 boxes over a two-hour booth okay one girl works the whole two hours one girl works the first hour only and a third girl works the second hour only so there's two girls the whole time but the partner traded out so one girl did did twice as much work that girl in my experience with my troop that girl would get credit for half of the boxes so she'd get 75 boxes credit for 75 boxes because she did half of the booth right the other girls did a quarter of the booth so they would each get a quarter of the credit so that's how we we did it in my troop but there's lots of different methods of this um, because some booths are really busy and really successful and other booths are really slow. So there is a certain um, kind of school of thought that the girls who worked the slow booths should not get less credit than the girls who worked the busy booths. So some people will look at, we sold 1,500 boxes at booths over the whole season and here's what that breaks down to by the number of, let's say we did 15 hours and we sold 1,500 boxes just because that's easy math, um, then that would be approximately 100 boxes per hour. And then how many hours did each girl work? And you like distribute it that way, right? So um, I guess that's not exact, but you get what I mean. You get my point. So they like divide the total amount of hours worked from the total number sold across all of the booths and that way the girls who worked the busy booths don't get more credit than the girls who worked the slow booths i didn't do that because from a bookkeeping perspective that's way too much work to put on my shoulders on top of everything else that i do and in addition i kind of feel like okay, but working a busy booth is harder work. Now, not to say it doesn't, it's not hard to do a slow booth because it is hard. It's just a different hard. Um, but I think that's a little bit uh, a life lesson in my opinion. Like sometimes you're going to have busier sales and other times you're not. But if you worked the busy sales, you should get credit for the busy sales. That's kind of my mentality, but it's not wrong to divide the total boothing amount by all of the girls who worked booths. That is a fair way to kind of compensate for girls who worked slower booths. I just did not personally do that. There are some people who divide the total amount of cookies sold over the course of the entire sale by girl evenly. I think I started there. That's another way to do it. I definitely did not do that. I think that girls who hustled should get credit for hustling and girls who did not have the opportunity to participate as much should not get to share that individualized credit they're still going to enjoy the spoils of that other person's work which i'm going to get more into in a little bit because it's funding the troop so by participating in the troop they still they're still benefiting equally but they're not getting individual credit so to speak for the cookies they did not sell and I think especially because the families have to participate so much in individualized sales, I just personally think individualized sales need to stay with the girls. Now, here's my exception. At the end of the season, 
you're going to be looking at your whole list of um, submitting all your final reports, right? So entering all your final numbers and making sure everything's totally balanced and submitted. And when you go to do that, you also select your girls' choices for their personal rewards, their personal incentives, right? Based on however many they sold, you like go ahead and submit these forms or whatever to accept the awards that they earned. And when you do this, you will be able to see like, oh man, this girl missed the next rewards tier by only three packages. Well, chances are really good that there's another girl who is more like three packages over her current tier. So sometimes if it will put somebody up to the next reward tier, I will shift just a couple of packages as long as it doesn't take any award from the girl I'm taking the packages from and reassigning them. Like let's say Susie sold 153 packages and Megan sold 12. Then Megan needed three more to hit that minimum of 15 to get like a bandana or whatever or a patch or whatever it is and meanwhile Susie she's three packages over 150 whatever the 150 package thing was she those three pack those three extra boxes don't make a difference it makes no difference on the back end whether she sold 150 or 153 either way she's getting the 150 level. So by moving three packages to Megan, Susie gets to keep her 150 tier and Megan now hit 15. So she now hit that whatever the patch or whatever it is um, level. So I will shift around like that at the very end of the sale to just make sure that girls all get to hit the the next reward tier if possible. There's usually quite a bit of finagling you can do in that case. Um, so I will do that. But yeah, so distributing sales, that's probably really complicated if you're new, but it will make sense when you're actually in the system. Um, but yeah, how how to distribute to like kind of make it fair. What's fair? That really gets complicated. Like how do we make this fair? And so what I'm going to go ahead and advocate is that life's not fair. So it's not necessarily about making it fair. It's about making it accessible. If we're making it accessible, then it's just, okay, we want a just system but it doesn't have to be a fair system. Fair doesn't necessarily really exist in life. So like, <laughs> I don't personally think we need to make it fair. I just think we need to make it accessible and I think we need to make it just. And if we can make it a positive, a more positive experience all around, then I'm happy to do that um, as long as everybody comes out net positive, <laughs> right? Nobody should lose out because we wanted to make it more positive for someone else. That's that's kind of how I balanced it, but that's just my personal advice or opinion. And if you're listening to this podcast, that's what you're going to get because it's a solo episode, so <laughs> it's what I think. <laughs> um, also, your council may have specific rules and guidelines around what they expect you to do. Now, um, really, they're not going to know if you did any of these things slightly differently, but I'm not really an advocate for not following the rules. So if your council has specific best practices or guidelines for how to handle those things, you should definitely do that. That would be in your training. 
You can definitely also ask leaders in your area, hey, what do you do? And you can decide what feels right and what feels best for you and your group of girls and you go from there. Okay, one more question that is related that I wanted to talk about that is a very frequently asked question when it comes to cookie season has to do with the distribution of money earned. So when we think about, in my example before, Susie selling 150 plus packages and Megan only selling 12. (laughs) Susie is earning a lot more money for the troop budget than Megan is. And sometimes the discrepancy is way bigger than that even. We have Megan may have sold none and Susie may have sold 2000, right? And that can be really frustrating if you're saving toward, say, a big trip or something major that like costs a significant amount per girl. Then Susie did all of this work that really should have funded her trip to Europe or whatever, wherever you're going. And Megan really hasn't earned that yet. So as far as like earning money directly toward her trip, she really didn't. So if you then make the case, which is the like official GSUSA sort of methodology, that all troop funds are troop funds. So all of the money that Susie earned goes to the troop pot, period. So then she's really funding all these other girls efforts and her trip still isn't paid for so then there's still more fundraising to do okay that's really frustrating and I totally understand that that's really frustrating so my personal opinion is that I think troop funds are troop funds and yes it's going toward the troop pot and I would also make the case that rather than thinking about earning money toward Europe um per girl think of the total cost for taking your troop and then they're all contributing to that pot overall um but if there is a situation where let's say um some girls are planning to go other girls already know they either don't have permission or they don't plan to attend whatever that big thing is you're saving up for and it is several years of saving up toward it and there's lots of different money earning projects going on in addition to cookies, then another method that I've heard people use, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, and usually councils are okay with this, is that a certain portion of what they earned goes to troop funds, and then anything above that can go toward that individual girl's um, trip. So for me personally, my personal opinion is that it should just go to the troop pot and however many people want to go, we have to be able to cover that with the cost of the total amount, right? No girl should be penalized, like not able to go to Europe because they didn't sell cookies. And that goes back to that first question, like all these questions are really linked. So we're not preventing Megan from being able to go to Europe because she did not participate in cookie sales. We want Megan to have equal opportunity to go to Europe. She needs to find ways to contribute. If one of the things she can't do is sell cookies, then that's okay. We'll find another way for her to contribute, but it's not necessarily going to be money earning, right? And 
Um, yeah, and that's all linked to the rest of what I've already covered, so I don't need to repeat it. But for accessibility purposes, if Megan wants to and is allowed to attend our trip to Europe, then even though her family did not was not able to participate in cookies to the extent that Susie's was, does not mean she should not be able to attend. So we're all working together toward this overall goal. And there's lots of different things that need to be done in addition to earning money. So that's part of it. Also, though, I will say I had a multi-level troop when I had an active troop. Currently, don't have an active troop. So if you're new here, you might be like, had a troop. Yeah, currently I do not have an active troop. I just help other people with theirs. But I do plan definitely to have a troop again. Um, that's a whole side story. But basically, my troop, uh, they hung in there for a while after the pandemic, but they they didn't make it they didn't make it ultimately through the uh um and that's not even true actually because technically my troop like my troop number still exists and they still meet in the same place it's just somebody else took it over but the girls who were uh, my girls that i had been with chose not to continue after um the pandemic like when we returned to in-person meetings they hung in there through virtual that's what's so funny but then one by one by one by one they all started dropping like flies when we tried to go back to in-person meeting and so there were only a handful of them left and I had moved further away like significantly further away and uh, when I said I wasn't going to continue I gave and I passed on the new girls that were joining that were coming into our troop to new troop leaders the returning girls who were left chose not to continue either so that's how my troop became not active um but I help other people with their troops and I definitely plan to have a troop again. I just currently don't. I just accidentally opened something on my computer when I dropped my pen and I don't know how I did that. Anyway, so my troop was multi-level Daisy Brownie Jr. Cadet and <laughs> we did do different activities for cadets than we did for daisies, right? Some things we did all together as a whole multi-level troop, some things we did by individual level as far as like activities throughout the year, trips, those kind of things. Because daisies, for the sake of progression even, let alone their age and their safety restrictions, right? Daisies are going to do different things than cadets are going to do. And just honestly, most of the cadet activities are going to be way more expensive than the daisy activities. As they get older, the stuff, the cool stuff that they have opportunities to participate in cost more. So in order to uh, manage multi-level troop funds, there were a couple of things that we kind of put into place. One is that if we had sort of an established um, mindset that the act there were as many opportunities for activities throughout the year, no matter what level you were. So the activities may cost less that daisies do, but there's just as many things to do for daisies as there are for cadets. Also, they there are certain things that they look forward to in progression. Like for example, in sixth grade, the sixth graders specifically took, we we planned it out as a troop, we came up with this, that the sixth graders would take a sixth grade exclusive trip, that only the girls who were in sixth grade would go on this trip together 
And um, there were certain parameters of like it was their first out of state trip together as a troop. And if you knew, even as a daisy, that if you stay in this troop until you hit sixth grade, you'll also get an opportunity to take a sixth grade trip, then that kind of helps with like, we just know and understand that we're, this is something to look forward to. We know and understand that, uh, I don't think people really like calling them kidnap breakfast, pajama breakfasts, surprise pajama breakfasts. You're going to get a surprise pajama breakfast when you're a brownie. You're going to get a... Um, trying to think. I think we actually did daisies and brownies for that. You're going to get this uh, weekend tent camping trip when you're a brownie plus um, every year. You're going to get a horseback ride, a horseback riding camp when you're this age and above every year, whatever it is, right? Like, you know, you have these like big milestones to look forward to as you age up and that this is consistent in our troop year over year then you then your cookies going toward that makes sense because by the time you get there those daisies will be contributing to yours so it all kind of works together like social security <laughs> so anyways uh that was one of our mindsets about it but also as we talked to the girls what they really agreed on is if we could look at what the fundamental um cost of running our troop is like what is our operating budget then we agree that as a troop everything we sell up to that operating budget goes to the operating budget and anything sold beyond that we can kind of earmark for level specific activities so then if the cadets got really creative with their selling like we were talking about last week with holding a fundraiser and um, approaching businesses and doing kind of these higher sale opportunities that maybe daisies or brownies might not be doing they might not need to they might not want to they might not be ready to it's not that daisies can't do those things by the way it's just that it might be um better for a girl who has more experience selling and also the older they get and the more they communicate and the more involvement they have in leadership they take on in like planning events and things it, it might just work out better so if uh those cadets are are making these bigger sales they're they're doing the above and beyond sales and they want those to go toward a big trip that they're looking forward to, then as long as they can cover the troop operating budget first, then anything else that they sell beyond the troop operating budget, that can go toward their their big trip, whatever they're doing, or their high award projects or whatever. So we felt like that was a fair way to do it. And again, my girls came up with that structure. So they're the ones who looked at that and planned it out. And I thought that was a good way to do it. So your council probably has guidelines, again, that are specifically related to girls getting individual credit for their sales. It used to be way more of a thing that if a girl switched troops, the money for the cookies that they sold the year before stayed with the troop that they were leaving because that was troop funds, not individual girl funds. Now it seems a lot more common that a certain portion of the troop funds have to follow the girl who leaves. It's not necessarily based on what she sold. It's based on the total amount of troop bank account 
her girl. Like, so if that girl leaves, that money follows her. That is wild to me. I personally much prefer troop funds belong to the troop, not to the individual girl. But I think they that this became a more common practice for troop funds to follow girls because of things like that, where a girl would be a really massive super seller and really contribute to the troop budget significantly. And then something would happen where that is not a safe and productive space for them to be anymore, either the girl themselves or the family, and they would switch troops and then they would be out that money. So I think that this was supposed to be like a compromise. To me, I still like don't like it. Um, I much prefer, but councils all do things differently. So as far as like what money quote unquote belongs to each girl or like how do you take ownership of that, I do kind of want to throw that in there. That seems to be a more common practice now that if girls switch troops, actually they can work with council to get that money to follow them. Now, um, <laughs> the troop leader might fight you on it if you are in that situation. But council might be able to get involved if that's what it comes to. I just personally am of the mindset and mentality. I wouldn't even try if I switched my girl from one troop to another. Those funds belong to that troop. But there's lots of different circumstances around why girls might switch troops. So it's just something to know because when I'm sitting here like troop funds are troop funds are troop funds. Then if you have a girl who leaves your troop and argues that she wants her money, well, her family argues that she, they want her money to follow her, if counsel goes along with that, you just kind of need to know that that might happen even if you try to operate in a way um, internally that troop funds are troop funds are troop funds. So anyway, okay, I think that's enough for today. I feel like those are kind of common hot button topics that come up um, that I either get asked regularly, I've been asked these over and over and over, especially in the Ask Me Anythings, or um, I see them asked over and over and over in even other groups, not just ours, in other groups about Girl Scouts. This, this is like what everybody always continually talks about and wants to know. So hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully it gave you some ideas about some different ways to think about things when it comes to um, girl participation and earning money and how the credit gets applied to each girl and how you save up for things and whatever. Hopefully this is helpful. And I do have another um, plan for a cookie episode next week. But last week, when I started talking about a little bit about sales and like creative selling techniques, I kind of feel like we could dig more into that, into sales stuff. So I might have a couple more cookie episodes coming for you. I did get asked some questions about cookies that I just feel like it might be a little bit late to address. But you guys tell me, is it too late for me to talk about a cookie parents meeting? Somebody did ask me about that. And honestly, I really should have, I feel like I should have done that in November or December. And unfortunately, I just, um, I was traveling for half of November, then Thanksgiving, then, which I did actually have a bunch scheduled before I left, thank goodness. Then I got sick for literally three weeks, which you guys heard in the episode I recorded in December. That was when I was coming out of it and I sounded horrible. Um, and then obviously like I celebrate Christmas and then also New Year's. So really, I feel like since October, I left, I started traveling the last week of October. So really since October, I feel like I've been really disconnected and just trying to like do the, I, my friend says she calls it keeping the lights on. That's how I felt like I was 
almost almost for the entire fourth quarter of 2023 was keeping the lights on. We're just doing our best. (laughs) So uh, anyways, I'm feeling better and uh, it's a new year and we're through the busy holiday season. And right now everybody in my house is healthy, knock on wood. And hopefully it stays that way. And um, yeah, I'm back in it. But let me know if you think uh, a cookie parents meeting episode would still be helpful or if you have any other questions specific to cookie season, because I know that's what's on kind of everybody's mind. I also do want to get some information up about World Thinking Day and Global Action. If you didn't notice, the World Thinking Day and Global Action 2024 information is available on GSUSA. They do have it now where you have to put your email address in before they'll give you access to it, which I just think is very funny and odd, Um, but it's okay. They want to be able to email you. Uh, They want you to opt in to their emails. It's fine. Uh, I, once you give your email, you do have to select like what grade level you're looking for. But once you submit your email address, you do get access to both the Daisy Brownie Jr. requirements as well as the Cadet Senior Ambassador requirements. So um, it's not, I thought, oh my gosh, am I going to have to put this in for like every grade level or at least for both younger girls and older girls? But no, you just put it in once and you get both links. So it's pretty easy. And then, um, Yeah, I did link to them in the show notes last week or two weeks ago, two weeks ago, because I was talking about uh, a little bit about kind of like what's coming in 2024 and the state of girls and things like that. And so I had looked up the requirements then for World Thinking Day, at least. And um, yeah, that's where I saw the email opt in. But uh, I I would like to talk about World Thinking Day and Global Action, but I know uh, that cookies are kind of a more pressing thing that are on people's minds. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So tell me what what you guys, what's burning, what burning questions do you have? What's on your minds? What's on your hearts? What do you want me to cover? If you, what would be really helpful? What kind of guests would be helpful? Who would you like to hear from? And or what topics would you like to hear in a conversation with a guest? Let me know. You can join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash Girl Scout podcast. That's actually the page, but you can follow the page and then you can also request to join the group from there. And you can also email me if you're not on Facebook or if you don't want to share stuff like in the group. That's totally fine. You can do it privately. Uh, Podcast at gmail.com is my email address. Now, I will say I love getting emails to that email address. I really, really do. Sometimes I accidentally seem to lock myself out of it and it takes me a little while to respond. That doesn't mean I don't want to hear from you. I love hearing your stories. I love hearing from you as real people. It really means a lot to know there's like a real person on the other end of this recording. I'm not just sitting alone talking to myself. And I love, love photos. I love to see the photos of your girls participating, especially because I don't have a current active troop. So it like really is so heartwarming to keep it centered as to why we're doing this uh, when you share photos with me. So And I know not everybody has the permissions or whatever to share inside the group. Our group is private and we do have a little bit of filter to try to keep anybody that's not a troop leader out of it. So it is a pretty like protected community. 
But if you don't have the permissions to share photos in a group, um, you know, please share them privately with me. I would love to see them. Uh, I love, I love, love your pictures. They make me really happy. <laughs> um, yeah. And it, it just, again, like I said, it just kind of puts it, it recenters it for me of like, yes, this is the point. This is what we're doing. This is why, this is why, right? This is who it's for, really. Okay, I hope you all are having a great start to 2024 and that everybody's happy and healthy in your house. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.